Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I dot Offers are subject to change and certain restrictions may apply. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, stay connected wherever you go and transform your vehicle into a dependable Wi-Fi hotspot. Powering applications like real-time GPS and voice assistant, navigation becomes a breeze. Even on the practice field, AT&T in-car Wi-Fi keeps you connected while in proximity of your vehicle. Work, stream shows, or finish homework without missing a beat. See if you're eligible for a free trial at att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi. Don't let connectivity be a roadblock in your journey. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't get distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. You're about to enter the arena and join the battle to save America with your host, Sean Parnell. Well, 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 happy Friday, everybody. My name's Sean Parnell. I'm the host of Battleground Live and simply a humble servant of America. Thank you for joining us on Friday night. And, you know, I get on the chat probably an hour before the show and answer all sorts of questions. We have a back and forth. We talk about the mouth breather over under because <laughs> a great fan of the show came up with the mouth breather drinking game, which I think is a great idea. It's especially important and probably to do on a Friday night, We're done with work, we're winding down for the week. Why not play the mouth breather drinking game? Now that's two mouth breathers. So for those of you all playing the game, you should be drinking. You should have already had two drinks. Um, all of my kids, by the way, are getting set up on the live chat. So they will be engaging with you throughout the show. And as I mentioned, like my setup here right now in the studio is I've got like this desk in front of me. And for any of y'all who were watching yesterday, saw that I've got a TV behind me with this American flag projected on the on this television and turned off last night because uh, one of the kids phones connected to some screen sharing thing. I don't know how any of that stuff works, um, but I, it, I I need to get like an iPad right here so that like, as I'm doing the show, I can look at the chat. 
Um, Because right now I have a laptop in front of me and I've got my screen split in two with the show notes on the left and I've got the actual like uh, stream yard and stuff on the right so I can see the return. Another screen or an iPad on a bracket would allow me to see that that's the next phase of this operation. So I'm sure with your help and a dedicated audience like yourself, we will get it done. Um, But the title of this of this episode of this Friday night episode is Democrats in disarray. And I will tell you, there are chinks in the armor and I'm going to highlight what those chinks are. So you can pay special attention to them as we roll into the weekend. And of course, feel free to watch the Sunday shows for yourself. But be forewarned, uh, your IQ will steadily drop the longer that you watch those shows. But we will watch them for you and comb through the data for you and bring you the heat on Monday. But my point is, there's something going on in the Democrat Party. And I'm not quite sure what it is yet. I'm just seeing cracks. And I want to make you aware of them. We're going to talk about that in a second. Um, but before I get to that, I want to thank Deepwell uh, Services, a great a co- company that's headquartered in Western Pennsylvania. They got headquarters. They've got they've got locations all across the United States. A great energy company. Uh, they keep this country energy independent. It's a family owned company. They're hiring right now. If you're new to this show or, or listening for the first time. They are actively hiring, not just people who are out there, you know, working on job sites and drilling, uh, drilling wells. They're hiring for office positions, too. So check out their website, deepwellservices.com, and go apply. They're a hell of a company to work for. I know all the executives are just really, really great people. Uh, and, And you know what? We should be supporting companies that love this country and not supporting companies that hate America. So there's that. Um, also, uh, Melanie, Commander Melanie is at it here. In Fort Parnell, as we speak, shipping out T-shirt orders. We've been shipping them out all day long. So if you've been waiting on your T-shirt, this is a a limited edition Battleground apparel shirt. uh, All these shirts are available to officialseanparnell.com. But Commander Melanie, with the children, they are working in a very steadfast way to get these orders out to you. So if you've been waiting on a T-shirt for a long time, you should have it in your mailbox Within the next 72 hours, I imagine, depending upon where you live in the great United States of America. So stay tuned for that. Like check your mail uh, often. It This stuff will be on the way very, very soon. Um, also, like the show, hit that rumble button, that little green thumb, subscribe to the show. Um, it is this show. Uh, is free. It will always be free. It is a show that will always be for you. So be sure when you join this program or you're new to our formation, new to the trenches with us, hit that rumble button because it matters. The, the more you rumble, the more the more you rumble, the more rumble notices, the more advertisers we get, the more advertisers we get, the more we can build out this studio and bring you great content, content that is completely centered on saving this country and pushing back against these crazy radical leftist whack jobs. So I um I'm just psyched and blessed to have you here. Uh so okay, back to the top story that the Democrats are in disarray. Okay. If you've been listening to the show, I told you a couple of weeks ago that there is something happening within the Biden White House. I know because I've got contacts there. Joe Biden right now for the last six or seven months is actively 
deciding himself personally with his family members about whether or not he should or should not run. And if he decides to not run, he is going to make that announcement at the very last second to stave off potential primary opponents for his his successor, Kamala Harris. The reason for that is, is that it takes a lot of time to build a to build out campaign infrastructure, to hire staff, to raise the tens of millions of dollars that's required to run for president. So the longer Biden waits, the more difficult it becomes on his on his opponents or on opponents of whoever's going to be his successor. Well, Biden has said for quite some time publicly that he's if he decides to run, Kamala is going to be his running mate, period, end of story. Um, but if he does not run, He still privately supports Kamala stepping into the limelight, stepping into the the Biden infrastructure that he's already built so that she can hit the ground running. I, for one, think that that's a great thing. I think that Biden is a hell of a lot stronger of a candidate at the top of the ticket than Kamala. And keep in mind, Biden always says he's from Pennsylvania. I mean, he's not. He's a senator from Delaware. And look, Melanie is from Delaware. So she'll say, oh, Biden's from Pennsylvania. I'll say, no, Biden's from Delaware. So we're always kicking Biden back and forth from Pennsylvania to, to Delaware. But here's the deal. Biden has been in Washington for 50 some years. He's a household name. I don't listen. I don't believe this stuff personally, but the narrative behind Joe Biden is he's always old, moderate Joe willing to work across the aisle. He's a great retail campaigner, you know, when in reality, we all know he's a a kid sniffing animated corpse of a person who can barely string together a coherent sentence. He's actually a terrible person that's exploited his son. a son who he knew was addicted to drugs, yet he sent him over to to engage with oligarchs who hate us to use the Biden family name so that they could launder money into the Biden family crime syndicate. That's not a father who loves his son. We know that Biden's a terrible person, but the media and 50 plus years of that narrative being pushed on the American people that, hey, it's this old lunch bucket Joe, old Scranton Joe, old moderate Joe willing to work across the aisle. Um, he's a hell of a lot stronger. Than, than Kamala at the top of the ticket. So I welcome cackling Kamala at the top of the ticket. I think she's an absolute disaster. But I'm telling you all of this because the secret of that Biden decision-making process about whether he's going to run or not, the secret is out. And the Democrat Party knows what's going on right now. The, the decision has been made to let Kamala step in as, as vice president, successor to, to run for president, should Biden decide that he's not going to run. And the Democrat Party is knives out for her. It, it, you can throw into Google right now um, and, and, and just search this for yourself. Um, I'm looking here at an article uh, on this website called The Conversation right at the top of the page. Why Biden might drop his vice president. OK, that's one. Here's another one. This is from Politico. Okay, it's columnist call for Biden to drop Harris and pick a new running mate. Here's another one. The case for Biden to drop Kamala Harris. This is from the New York Intelligentsia. So there is a narrative that is building in print media that is that is knives out for Kamala. And the reason for that is she is a walking, barely capable 
talking disaster. She's word salad everywhere she goes. She is highly unlikable. You know, Joe Biden's favorables. He's the I'll just say this. He's the least popular president since Jimmy Carter. And it's damn it's damn close. We're talking about one percentage point that separates Jimmy Carter from Joe Biden. So it, people with favorables that low rarely win election. But here's the thing, folks. Kamala is somehow less popular than Joe. So while everybody inside the Democrat Party believes that Joe is too old, they are also a hell of a lot more concerned with Kamala stepping into the limelight. And I just showed you three articles that are just like, hey, Joe should drop Kamala. But it's not just these people. Big name Democrats are are knives out for Kamala as well. I want you to watch this video uh, with Nancy Pelosi, where where she repeatedly avoids answering if Kamala is Biden's best VP option. Roll the tape. Check this out. Is Vice President Kamala Harris the best running mate for this president? He thinks so. And that's what matters. And by the way, she's very politically astute. I don't think people give her enough credit. Uh, she, of course, values based, consistent with the president's values and the rest. And uh, people don't understand she's politically stupid. Why would she be vice president if she were not? But when she was running for uh, attorney general in California, she had 6% in the polls. 6% in the polls. And she politically astutely made her case about why she would be good, did her politics, and became attorney general. So don't people shouldn't underestimate what... Kamala Harris brings to the table. But do you think she is the, the best running mate, though? She's the vice president of the United States. And when people say to me, well, why isn't she doing this or that? I say, because she's the vice president. That's the job description. You don't do that much. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you know you, you, you're a, a source of strength, inspiration, intellectual resource, and the rest. And, you, and she, I think she's represented our country very well at home and abroad. Okay, so I want so so you notice how Nancy Pelosi didn't directly answer Anderson Cooper there. But first, Steve, thank you for the twenty dollar tip to get me out of this studio again. One hundred percent of what we get in the super chats goes to building out the studio operation that we have here, so I don't have to do the show next to a cat litter box. Uh, so, Steve, thank you for that. Uh, we appreciate it. Um, okay, so Nancy, did you notice what she said? Uh, so Nancy Pelosi said, hey, she was asked directly, is Joe Biden, is Joe Biden or is Kamala Harris the best pick for Joe Biden? She straight up says in no uncertain terms that, uh, well, he's she's the she's who Joe Biden wants. And that's what matters. And then she pivots to something strange. OK, listen, she says that Kamala is politically astute. Look, even when she was down in California, she managed to turn around. You don't get to be vice president without being politically astute. What does that tell you? That means that behind closed doors, there are conversations among Democrats or a prevailing thought that Kamala is a moron, which is why Nancy Pelosi is out there on the parapet signaling to those people saying, no, 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 she's politically astute. Or how about the the theme that, you know, She's, oh, look, she's the vice president. She's not supposed to do a lot. What does that tell you? It means that behind closed doors, there are Democrats and certainly there are there are voters who are saying, what the hell does Kamala does? 
which means that's why you have Pelosi out there on CNN saying, hey, she's the vice president. She actually isn't supposed to do a lot. Right. Or how about the how about the theme that, that Pelosi was pushing that she is also competent? That she that she's competent. She embodies. She's an inspiring figure, a great communicator. None of that is true. Just spend five seconds watching Kamala cackle her way through, rambling on about Venn diagrams and throwing together, as President Trump says, she speaks in rhymes like we take the bus because the bus is what we take and the children like the bus because the bus is what we make. I mean, this is Kamala Harris. (laughs) So Democrats are knives out in this narrative. Okay, this narrative that is Kamala the best person, the reason why they're making that is because they don't want her to step in and take Biden Inc. forward running in 2024. They don't want her to run for president. Okay, again, I told you that Biden's favorables were lower than any other president other than Jimmy Carter. Yet Kamala is less popular than him. Look at Monica Lewinsky's boyfriend, Jake Tapper, a.k.a. Actually, I just Jake Tapper on this show. We will not call him Jake Tapper. He shall henceforth be known as Monica Lewinsky's boyfriend. There's a reason for that. Just just Google or throw into a search engine. If you don't like using Google, Jake Tapper, Monica Lewinsky, you will see and read an article. Jake Tapper writes this tell all article about taking Monica Lewinsky out on a date. It's gross and disgusting. But Jake Tapper a.k.a. Monica Lewinsky's boyfriend, also pressed a Democrat, a ranking Democrat, a senior Democrat uh, named Jamie Raskin on this very topic. This narrative is developing. Watch and roll the tape. It's not a no one's making about personalities. I mean, like, it's just a simple question. Do you think Kamala Harris is the best running mate for President Biden? You've said she's excellent. That's farther than Speaker Pelosi went. But do you think she's the I'm not trying to throw anything into turmoil. I I actually think it's a pretty simple question. Do you think Kamala Harris is the best running mate for President Biden? Yes or no? I mean, I don't know what else I can say other than she would be an excellent running mate and an excellent vice president. Um, I don't know whether President Biden has named his uh, running mate. We're going to a convention uh, next summer. It's uh, uh, a year away from now. Um, and we're going to go through that process. So, I mean, the, uh, you say, I don't know why you can say the answer is you could say yes. You could say, yes, I think Kamala Harris is the best vice president and the best running mate for President Biden. That, that, that's the, the answer you could be giving right now. Yes, she is. So I've not seen any public opinion polling. Um, you know, I, you might be a stronger vice presidential uh, running mate than her or me or anybody else. I don't know who else, if you're talking about the polling, but I will tell you as a matter of substance and public policy, she'd be an excellent choice. Wow. And she and the president have done an excellent job. You see? You see what I'm saying? Now, CNN isn't doing this. Monica Lewinsky's boyfriend isn't doing this. Anderson Cooper isn't doing this because they just, you know, found out what real journalism was. They're doing this because someone gave them their marching orders that what I told you two weeks ago about the personal decision making process of Biden and the Biden family crime syndicate about whether or not he will run. That is now public. People know that people know that Kamala is the heir apparent and those people who are behind the curtain very, very likely. Barack Obama 
and his acolytes, who, by the way, interestingly enough, Barack Obama still lives in Washington, in Washington, D.C., yet he has a he has a million dollar plus home in Washington, D.C., yet you don't see 24 hour stakeouts of the media around his 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 compound in Washington. You have old Obama staffers constantly getting access to the West Wing and the Oval Office, working almost hand in glove with the Biden administration. You have many Biden or Obama acolytes actively working in cabinet level positions or advisors to Biden. I mean, Obama is most certainly behind the scenes, pulling the strings in the Biden administration. And someone in that camp does not like Kamala. And CNN is just executing whoever that person is, their marching orders. They are knives out for Kamala. And I want you to, this, this is, this is, I've said this before. And if you listen to me on Wendy Bell Radio, you know my feelings about this. But the Democrats are very, very disciplined with how they engage and dispute and argue with one another. They don't do the stupid public stuff that Republicans do. They don't fight back and forth publicly. They're much, much smarter in that way. Um, they're like, I, I often say, you know, the Democrats are like the Borg or like they're like a group of lemmings. They get their talking points from four people at the top in Washington, and they pass those talking points down to uh, members of the Senate, members of the House of Representatives, their comm staff, their allies in the media, which is why we can pull all these supercuts out of the Democrats, say, for example, when they're talking about President Trump, about the walls closing in, the walls are closing in, the walls are closing in. Oh, the walls are closing in. Like, you know, or or literally anything else, any supercut that we show you, the Democrats are just that disciplined with the way that they talk, which is why I believe that the Democrat Party, they're the party of they, the people. They, they again, they get their talking points. They're a very top down oriented party. Republicans are the party of we the people, which means a, a, a Republican congressman from Western Pennsylvania is different than a Republican congressman from Southern Florida is different from a representative in Southern California. Why? Because there is a very big geographic difference in those areas. The people of those certain districts need certain things. Republicans represent the people. Therefore, Republicans are the party of we the people. Democrats are party of they the people. OK, and so when the Democrats fight and they do things like this, it's always a hell of a lot more subtle. And you're seeing an internal struggle happening right now within the Democrat Party. And I'm trying to bring that to the fore on this show. And it seems to me that the Democrats, when I say the Democrats are in disarray, I don't just mean the media. I don't just mean at the top of the ticket. I also mean America is coming apart at the seams. And I think the chickens are coming home to roost for Democrats in a litany of different ways. Now, Joe Biden, there's this United Auto Workers strike. And I find it interesting for a, a lot of, of reasons. Um, and of course, the situation is developing, but I'll give you my preliminary thoughts. I put out there, you know, hey, I. I, I stand I stand with J.D. Vance and stand, you know, wishing and hoping for the best of these auto workers. And I had some Republicans come back and attack, oh, they're unions. They're asking for so much. How could you support them? And I, I get all that. Um, now, I'll tell you, I, I am someone who ran for office twice. I do support the building trade unions. I support carpenters. I support the auto workers. I support steam fitters, boilermakers, whatever. Uh, the people who actually work for a living. I do not in any way, shape, or form support government unions. I think that they're fundamentally unconstitutional. I don't like them. Um, and actually, when I say unions, I should say 
I, 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 I let me let me just walk that back. I say I, I support the building trades unions, but what I mean by that is I support the workers. I am tired of American jobs being offshored. I'm tired of driving around Pennsylvania. If you just drive through Western Pennsylvania, where I'm from, and you'll see dilapidated towns made possible by Democrats and Republicans who ship those jobs, all those manufacturing jobs, the steel jobs, the energy jobs, the the oil and gas jobs. They ship them all overseas. And Americans are left with nothing here at home. And those towns, which were once bustling places of, of great economic activity, small town America, they, they become dilapidated. They become derelict. People move out. Drugs move in. It's a terrible thing. So what I'm. So that's my perspective, my larger perspective on on, on unions, totally opposed government unions. But I'm a workers guy. But the reason why. I support the auto workers. It's not it's not necessarily about what they're asking for. It's more about taking it to these radical left woke executives that are working hand in glove with the Biden administration on all fronts. It's not just the electric, it's not just Ford or or some of these auto manufacturers. It, it's it's obviously what these executives at these at these auto manufacturing plants, places like Ford, GM, um, Chrysler, whatever, this push to electric vehicles. The Biden administration is heavily subsidizing these companies to push electric vehicles. The EPA just rolled out some crazy environmental standard that's something like 67% of all emissions have to have to be stopped uh, you know, on, on gas-powered vehicles, some ridiculous standard saying that by 20 between 2025 and 2032. It, over half the cars in all of America will be electric. So my point is the Biden administration is pushing these companies and these executives to push electric vehicles on the American people. Now, these are vehicles that Americans do not want. OK, the average gas powered car, the av- average gas car sits on a car lot for 30 days. Electric vehicles are sometimes upwards of t- 120 days and more. By and large, the American people don't want them. They're ridiculously expensive. They're a pain in the butt to operate. The moment you get that, get in them and fire them up, you're immediately wondering where you're going to charge it next. In fact, Secretary Granholm just took a, our, our, our energy secretary, who, by the way, is a huge believer in the Green New Deal. She's dry. She had she like did this massive electric vehicle convoy across the country to draw attention to the Green New Deal. Just how wonderful and convenient electric cars are. This convoy was, was meticulously planned months in advance where they're marking charging stations on the map so that they could make pit stops at the convoy, charge vehicles and move on. Well, it didn't take long for the electric vehicles to start malfunctioning. <laughs> Batteries weren't working. <laughs> Secretary Granholm had her had her staff jump in a bunch of gas-powered cars, drive to the nearest Walmart, park a gas-powered car, an electric car, an electric charging port, stopped a bunch of people who were waiting in line to charge their car. I mean, it was a whole disaster. So much so that these people who were waiting in line called the police on Secretary Granholm and said and on her staff and said, Hey, there's a gas-powered car that's parked at this electric port and and is prohibiting all of us who've been waiting for a long time to keep charging our vehicles. So yeah, electric cars are great as long as you have gas-powered cars following them around every way, everywhere should they malfunction. But my point is, is that the, these electric vehicles are being pushed by the government. They're heavily subsidized. These woke garbage executives at companies like, you know, 
at, at, at companies all across America, but that are, sit on the boards or are executives at these auto companies, they're partnering with the Biden administration. They love the taxpayer subsidies from you, the, the American taxpayer, even though every time Ford sells an electric vehicle, and this is according to J.D. Vance on Twitter today, um, said that Ford loses $32,000 on every electric vehicle, but that money is made up through subsidies from the taxpayers. So listen, and, and here's here's another part of this argument, this this union, pro-union, again, so it's not necessarily about what the auto workers are asking for. It's about this incestuous relationship with big government and big business that simply has to stop because when that relationship exists, not only is it bad for the taxpayer when they're pushing electric vehicles on everybody, but they also push agendas, okay? And the more electric vehicles that are on the road, Right. If their goal is to have 50, 60, 70 percent of electric vehicles on the road between 2025 and 2032, that means you have less freedom. That means not only are you going to have to be paying more for these ridiculous cars that don't function as well, but the government can literally shut off your electricity if you step out of line. So supporting the auto workers, maybe they make some more money. Maybe we maybe we continue to make gas cars, which are hell of a lot better for the American people. They're cheaper. They're more efficient. it also gives you more freedom. Well, then, yes, I, I'm absolutely positively going to back, back the auto workers. And another fold to this argument, okay, is that these these auto workers are being forced to work at these companies and they're they're not making decent money. The 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 union has been working to increase their pay for a long time, but they're basically polishing the brass on the Titanic with regards to their own jobs. Because as this transition takes place, this forced subsidized transition from the federal government, this push to to move to all electric cars, do you know what's going to happen to all these auto workers? Their jobs are either going to be offshored or they're going to be fired or put out of work altogether. And that will mean more dilapidated American towns that were once bustling like small ports and venues for bustling economic activity. These small towns are the backbone of America. They they are what make America great. They'll be run out of business. You know, for every for every hundred jobs, that for every hundred jobs, the auto worker jobs that are created, ninety of them end up going to China and ten here. And the reason for that are policies that the Biden administration is putting out right now. So this push is bad for a lot of different reasons. It's bad for the American people because it's ending up going to costing you more in, in terms of how much an automobile costs. You're going to be driving a lower quality car. You know, if you have to it's like drive around an electric car that just the moment you get in, the battery could die. And then what? You're screwed. Um, it's bad for the workers who are going to, as this transition takes place, they're going to, they're going to be fired, laid off, jobs shipped overseas. And frankly, I'm tired of American manufacturing jobs being shipped to countries that hate us. We need to keep those jobs here. And, and third, the more electric vehicles there are on the road, the less freedom you have. So yes, I'm not getting tied up in how much the auto workers are asking for or all that stuff, but I've just laid out the reason why I back them because I'm tired of these woke companies partnering with the federal government to screw over the American people. It needs to stop. But I want you to check out this video of the United Auto Workers uh, union leader. Now, again, I'm not pro-union. I'm pro-worker. Um, but check out what he had to say. He's fired up. What would you say to the CEOs of these auto companies that say uh, the the union has not been acting in good faith, that there were delays? What, what do you make of that? 
let's talk about what good faith is. They've had our economic demands for six weeks. We've told them from day one, we expect a bargain now, not wait till the end. They waited till last week. We had to file unfair labor practice charges on two companies to get them to come to the table. So they waited till the last week to want to get down to business. Shame on them, and what they're saying is complete BS. You heard the CEO of Ford say that it would bankrupt them if they met your demands. What do you think of that? I think it's a joke. You know what? They could double our pay right now. Labor, the cost of labor the co that goes into a vehicle is 5% of the vehicle. They could double our wages, and they could not raise the price of vehicles, and they would still make billions of dollars. It's a lie like everything else that comes out of their mouth. The, the strategy, the strategy is three facilities. What impact do you think that could make on the auto industry as a whole across we'll this country? We'll find out. And you know what? And it's going to keep on building if they don't come to the table for our members. Are more, more facilities are going to are more facilities going to feel this? Are more facilities going on strike? If they don't, if they don't take care of our members, they will. <laughs> so these uh these uh building trades guys and again the building trades I I would say that auto workers are part of the building trades when I was running for congress um I went to a union meeting uh just to show up for the building trades guys I was the first republican that they had seen in in, in quite some time and you know you go in there and it's this huge it's like this basketball court type venue with like these very long tables that are that are like in the shape of a U at the head table. There are all of the union leaders. And on each side, you have one side filled with building trades, guys like auto workers, carpenters, um, people who are swinging a hammer for a living, and then all the government unions on the one side. And these government union people were just like, coming after me left and right at, you know, basically accusing me of being anti-union and everything else. And I'm like trying to answer their questions and they're cutting me off. They're being smide, sm snide, smug, mouth-breathing losers that they are. And I just lost my temper because it's just me. Like I'm just in there one person with my little boom mic and my campaign manager who's sitting there like this. And, and I just slammed my hand on the table as hard as possible. And I said, you better stop interrupting me. I'm tired of being interrupted by you. And instantly, everyone in the room got super quiet because it's like a basketball court. And I slammed my hand down and it echoed all across the room. And I look at the building trade guys who were all there and they're flannel and stuff. And they look at you, they had smiles on their faces and stuff because here's the dirty little secret building trade union guys don't really like the government workers. They don't like government unions. They feel like government unions give them a bad name. And the union leaders will never tell you that, but it's the truth. And after the meeting, <laughs> after the meeting, I all, like all of the building trade guides come up to me, slapping me on the shoulder, shaking my hand, saying, thank you for your service. But you know, all these guys, these building trades guys, these 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 unions that that are actually working, all they want is is to know that their job is secure. You know, in many cases, these 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 union workers, uh, they just want to be able to make a living for their family. They want to know that their job's not going to be uh, you know sent overseas. A lot of these jobs are legacy jobs. Someone who's who's a carpenter or a boilermaker or a steam fitter or a pipe fitter, you know, their dad was, their grandfather was before them. And it wasn't that long ago that Democrats were telling these people to learn to code, trying to put them all out of work. And now Biden behind the scenes is working with these executives and big businesses to transition the auto industry to all electric vehicles or the vast majority of the things that they go off their lots, electric vehicles, while simultaneously putting union workers out of work. Well, I'm telling you, Democrats do not listen to their people. 
They don't listen to the people who support them the most. They take them for granted. Democrats have taken unions for granted for far too long. And I think their chickens are coming home to roost. Democrats have also taken black Americans for granted for far too long. And I think their chickens are coming home to roost. Um, so check out this this striking economic picture that this that this strike, this union strike, what will have on our country at an already difficult economic economic time. Um, check out this video. Jolene, what are the broader implications for the U.S. economy if this strike becomes what the president said he doesn't want to see, a prolonged standoff? Major, we could see a hit to U.S. economic productivity. GDP, according to Bank of America, could take a hit of one to two-tenths of a percentage point per week as this goes on. But the bigger picture here is what does this mean for consumers? If you look at how much this will cost American consumers in the economy, uh, one economic group says that a 10-day strike would result in $5.6 billion in losses. About $2 billion of that is expected to fall on the shoulders of consumers, whether it's you trying to get your car fixed and you can't get that done, or if it's a dealership that's unable to staff and have to furlough or lay off workers. We could also see if this strike continues and is prolonged, an impact on the supply chain as well. We expect to see impacts on parts manufacturers, uh, the people who are making uh, headlights and catalytic converters and brakes could also be impacted. The other thing that we really have to focus on here is what does this mean for the Fed and for interest rates, because right now, as you know, car inventory overall is still not as high as pre-pandemic levels back in 2019. And so as a result, car prices are still pretty high. We did see some encouraging news. Used car prices did start to come down over the past you know, spell, past several months here, but that could end up being raising prices again. The strike could end up pushing those prices back up because supply is down. And that, of course, if you look at the broader economic picture, could be really painful for consumers. We're now facing people having to start repaying their student loans again, and we're looking at a potential government shutdown. And of course, those higher interest rates make it really expensive to borrow money. And so that sort of tuck and move towards recessionary behavior could be really painful for some consumers out there if this strike continues to be a prolonged situation. Unions are pissed off, okay? The United Auto Workers Union, this is just the beginning. And unions are a Democrat stronghold. You know who's also extraordinarily strong with building trade unions? Not Maybe not the leadership, but the rank and file, President Trump. We're going to get to that later. But the very first meeting that President Trump had in the White House, the very first one, was with the National Building Trade Association. Okay. So check this out. Mark Milley uh, talks about Afghanistan. I'm talking the theme of the show, Democrats in disarray. Things are coming apart at the seams, not just at the top of the ticket with Democrats, even mainstream, you know, Democrat leadership, you know, knives out for Kamala, but it, they're coming apart at the seams with a lot of their strongest people. Uh, so check out Mark Milley. I want you to show he finally admits to, to losing in Afghanistan. Um, check this video out and then I'll, I'll give you my thoughts on it. Uh, in the broader sense, the, the war was lost. We, we were fighting the Taliban uh, and their allies, uh, you know, for 20 plus years. Uh, and uh, and they prevailed in that capital for a lot of reasons that we don't have time to go over today. But uh, sure, lots of regrets for, by a lot of us from uh, from 911 on. You know, wars aren't lost uh, in the last 10 days or or 10 months. It, it, 
typically they're the cumulative effect of lots of uh, turns and twists uh, over many, many years. And this war, when the final history is written, will prove uh, to be the same. Let me tell you something here. This is very, very upsetting to me because I spent the lion's share of my youth focused on fighting a war in Afghanistan, taking care of the wounded who came home from that hellhole of a country and burying my friends. The war was lost because generals like General Milley were not focused on what end state operations looked like. When he should have been planning a responsible withdrawal from Afghanistan as the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, he was going on on Capitol Hill about white rage and wanting to understand it more. I'm telling you, that is complete BS. Americans died because of that. Also, this self-licking ice cream cone that we have in, in, at, at the, the, the upper echelons of command in the military, where every year in January, there was a report issued on Afghanistan. And every single year, every single year, these generals, the, person, the general who was in charge of Afghanistan would say, oh, everything's fine. We're right on track. The Afghan National Army is ready to take over. The Afghan border police are good to go. The Afghan National Police are ready to do a transition. The Afghan government or the Islamic Republic of Afghanistan, because we tried to force the Afghans to adopt a Jeffersonian democracy, which was absurd from the very beginning. They said that all of these things were on track. There wasn't one single strategic level officer in any branch in the United States military that had the balls to say, wait a second, things aren't where they should be in Afghanistan. Maybe we're off track a little bit. I mean, this is why we were in Afghanistan for 20 damn years, for damn near a decade after we killed bin Laden. And it, Mark Milley now comes out and has, you know, on national media saying, oh, wars are lost at many different times over 20 years. You were the one that was you were a strategic level officer during that time. How can you say that on one hand and not put your stars on the table and say someone needs to be held accountable for this and it should be me? If not him, how about the secretary of defense? How about any of these generals who were in charge of Afghanistan for the past 20 years? Over 20 years now. We wasted American sacrifice, We American blood, spent American taxpayer dollars, thousands of Americans wounded, and Afghanistan is more dangerous today than it was pre-9-11. Because now all the people who hate us and all the Afghans who we, we betrayed, we left them behind, are all dead, or the people who survived, who were once allies, now hate us. They're armed with all of our equipment. And the reason why I'm telling you all of this, because we talked about the, the grave, very grave recruiting crisis that the American military has right now in all branches, all branches are falling short in, of their recruiting goals. It's because of stuff like this. It's not because of COVID. It's not because of a strong economy and competing. These people that would typically join the military have better jobs in the civilian world. That is all propaganda. It's because of interviews like that with General Milley. And the reason why I'm telling you this is because it's not just traditional conservatives, Republicans who are noticing this stuff. And not only is it making them not want to join the military, it's waking them up from 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 supporting blindly the Democrats who have taken them for granted for decades. Watch this video of this young black Democrat talking about Biden in the Afghan war. If you think this is just affecting conservatives or only conservatives, they're the only ones that are noticing this, you're wrong. Check this out. 
Oh my. I think considering this investigation took five years and these are the charges they brought, and after this sweetheart plea deal collapsed in court, I honestly think they're going to wait a couple of months until the, a, tr a trial against Trump happens, and they're going to try another plea deal in another district. I think we can see, since Republicans have taken control of the House, we've seen so much evidence that these charges have been stymied and the investigation has been covered up mostly. So I think this is just them playing face. This is Biden needs some kind of win that he has um, a secure Department of Justice. Mm -hmm. And this honestly is just a sham. I know that you're a Democrat. You're more conservative Democrat, right? Yes. Who do you like in this election? I think I'm mostly geared towards Donald Trump. Really? I think I've seen, yes, I have seen the pullout of Afghanistan from Joe Biden. Mm -hmm. And then I watched him check his watch during their fun the funeral of the servicemen. Mm -hmm. And I think if we were to go to a war, I'm prime age to be drafted. And I don't want him to check his his watch while they're burying me. I don't believe that wow. he's a competent commander in chief. And then he'd probably blame my death on climate change in the same way he blamed the pullout in Afghanistan on Donald Trump. I've seen no. Unbelievable. Un believable what did i just tell you yesterday kids see the absurd bs that's happening in the military and say hey, i don't know if this is for me that's exactly what's happening but but even more than that young black americans are waking up i feel now you know is it good who knows how what percentage trump is going to get but consider this trump is he got a higher percentage of the black vote than almost any other republican other than gerald ford okay Trump in 2024 is going to have a greater percentage of the black vote than he did in 2020 and a greater percentage than he did in 2016. And this young man is one of those people. Everything is coming apart at the seams for the Democrats and they can feel it. They're not going to be able to cheat enough to make up all of this, all of the insanity that people are feeling in, in this world. And, and the reason why I was like, oh, no, prior to that last segment is Brock sent me a message and, and said, oh, my gosh, just keep talking. I got to go make a drink. Brock is also playing the, the mouth breather drinking game. And I think he's had two drinks so far. <laughs> so, hey, it's Friday night. This is what we do on the show. We, we, we tell the truth. We lock horns and go to battle with the left. And we have a couple drinks while we do it. Right. Um, so. Um, it's not this isn't just have like when we talk about things coming apart at the seams for Democrats. It's also with the border. When you look at I mean, you, you look at migrants to the I think 9000 plus migrants came into America yesterday. Now, this is a record. I think August for the month of August, over 230,000 migrants will have crossed our southern border, which will also be close to a record this year. There'll be millions of illegals streaming into our country across our southern border. I, I often wonder, do people in the northern states, the states that aren't border states, do they realize just how bad this problem is? Well, now there have been so many coming across and you've got governors like Greg Abbott and then Ron DeSantis or people on southern border states who are who are shipping these these migrants into, say, Martha's Vineyard in New York City and and in other places, Chicago, and they're doing it to just give these liberals a taste of their own medicine. Well, now it, it, the wheels are coming off the bus and people are fed up. Who are they fed up with? 
in many of these urban areas like New York City, they're hardcore D plus 20 Democrats. Watch um, AOC, comrade AOC, get shouted down by New Yorkers who feel like they're losing their city. Check this out. With that? Yes. And ultimately, I think that there are three points of consensus here that are very important in getting a solution to this issue. The first is that there is there is consensus here across geography and states on increased federal resources. Oh, if you couldn't hear them, that's people in New York City screaming, close the border. Uh, Jerry Nadler also uh, was shouted down as well. Uh, check this out. The supplemental budget, we have additional resources to New York and other cities welcoming migrants. Unfortunately, House Republicans seem set on defunding the Department of Homeland Security and shutting down our government. I also led a letter with Immigration Subcommittee Ranking Member Jayapal and over a hundred of our colleagues to urge the administration to use all the tools available to them to provide stability to asylum seekers and undocumented immigrants in our communities. The administration has the flexibility to provide faster access to employment authorization documents and to protect families by redesignating Venezuela for temporary protected status. You have a, a, like hundreds of people screaming at him, close the border, and he's just reading from a sheet of paper. But unfortunately, it's the Republicans that want to defund Homeland Security. You know, I, I would just be, I, would, I think Jerry Nadler should just, you know, I, just be happy that he didn't poop himself during that interview. Remember when he pooped himself on stage at a press conference? I'm not sure. How are these people in charge of us? I'll never know. But this is, I, people are fed up. There were so many videos of New Yorkers. Again, these are people who are unlikely voters in a, in a heavily, heavily Democrat area. 8.5 million people in New York City. The vast majority of those people are Democrats. Things are getting really, really, really bad. They're going to have to get really, really, really bad in order for those people to change their votes. I think we're getting there. I'm not saying that Donald Trump is going to win New York City, but I'm saying that there might be enough people in this country waking up, especially in critical swing states, that are going to change the course of this country because everything that liberals touch and I'm, everything that these radical leftists, communists, mouth-breathing Democrats touch dies absolutely just dies. Everything they touch is an absolute disaster. Now check this out. So this is the video we found of LA mayor Karen Bass talking about Los Angeles and the effect of the migrant community there. Roll the tape. Uh, in the office. So, you know, I mean, we live in a city that welcomes immigrants. And so I think we have been able to handle it, but I am fearful that any day planes could start coming. And what I thought was particularly despicable was coming from Texas when we were threatened with a hurricane. We don't know anything about hurricanes. We don't know much about rain. <laughs> and the idea that he would send the bus knowing what we were potentially facing here, that's why I called it evil. And if they were sincere, if he was sincere, why don't they call us and coordinate it? That's not what they're doing. Do you feel this was an attempt to embarrass cities like Los Angeles? Oh I, oh, I mean, I think it's very clear. I mean, what they're trying to do is destabilize cities because it's Chicago, it's Washington, D.C., it's New York. It's the narrative that these are Democratic-run cities and that we don't know how to govern and that everything is chaotic here. This is just setting the stage for the presidential election next year. 
Okay, so I just want to address a couple of things there. She says they, meaning Republicans, are sending migrants to their cities to, quote, destabilize their cities. So let me ask, if migrants destabilize blue cities, what do you think they do to red states who are on the southern border who have been screaming from the parapet for damn near a decade or more in some cases saying this system is untenable, this system is undermining our workers, is crushing our economy, is destroying our country. It's almost as if the Great Replacement theory is not racist or an actual theory at all. It's actually the goal of what they're trying to do. The only difference is these liberals who are in charge, they want to destabilize Southern Republican states. They want to make a state like Texas purple and then blue through all of the migrants streaming in there, but they never expected these migrants to be shipped to their own cities. And you just saw a Democrat mayor from the city of Los Angeles, probably a hardcore communist Democrat say, I'm afraid of these planes that contain 10 or 12 migrants. Seriously, you're afraid of those? It sounds pretty xenophobic. You sound like a racist. You sound like a terrible xenophobic racist. I mean, I, you can't make this stuff up. And for all the talk of her talking about this happens in Texas and how dare Governor Abbott send a couple of planes or buses full of migrants to cities like Chicago and New York City or Los Angeles. How dare he do that? It's just evil. It's evil. It's evil. I mean, sure, Governor Abbott and Ron DeSantis did that a couple of times. But who, by and large, is actually responsible for that? Ron, you got to see this tape. We found this one. And I'll tell you, it's a doozy. Check this out. Take a look at this video out of San Diego yesterday afternoon. What you're looking at is three unmarked white Border Patrol buses. They pull up and they start releasing several hundred illegal immigrants to city streaks and sidewalks in San Diego across from a transit terminal. Uh, people were on this bus from as far away as China and Pakistan. And keep in mind, these buses are not from Texas. They're not Greg Abbott's buses. These are the Biden administration's buses. This is Border Patrol mass releasing people. You can see handfuls of them are standing around not knowing where they are, what to do, where to go next. And there was a remarkable exchange between one migrant and a Border Patrol agent as he asked the agent, hey, am I okay to travel to Chicago? And the agent says, yep, you're good to go. Take a listen. You're free to go so it's not Republicans. It's not Greg Abbott. It's not. It, these are Biden administration buses. Did you hear the Border Patrol agent? Where do you want to? So I can go to Chicago. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. You can go anywhere you want. This is an invasion, folks. It, these people are crossing into our southern border. It, it, it's it's absolute chaos, human trafficking, tidal wave of human suffering. Oh, I just got noticed that Steel City Ken gave five bucks. Thank you for giving that. Like I said, 100% goes to the studio. Thank you so much for that. Uh, we're grateful for you. You don't have to do that. It's, this show is and will always be free, but it's your show and it will always be for you. So thank you for that. But listen, the this is why the Democrats are in disarray. And add to that this, okay? Now, this is historic. I've never seen anything like this. I've been in politics since 2012. Um, you know, this is a, pres a presidential candidate hitting 60% 
This is what Byron York said. <laughs> so Byron York, who I like, he's a nice guy, but he's an inside the beltway guy. He put out this tweet, a presidential candidate hitting 60% in a seven candidate field is astonishing and pretty much defies easy understanding. So, I mean, honestly, if, if you've not been paying attention, it might astonish you. But I'll tell you this, President Trump, you know, got more. He's the most popular Republican in the history, uh, uh, certainly in my lifetime. OK, he got more votes in 2020 than any other Republican, over 75 million, than any other Republican in the history of this country. That's just a fact. He's the last Republican or he's the first Republican since Ronald Reagan, who is running for president, that won the state of Pennsylvania. He lost. And I use that term loosely, lost the 2020 election by 40 plus thousand votes over the over three swing states, even with all the cheating and, and shenanigans and rigging or call it fortifying. If that makes you feel comfortable, if you're one of the libs that are watching this, even with all that, he barely, 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 barely lost. And so why anyone would be surprised that Trump is at 60 percent right now is beyond me, even though he's been four times indicted every time. By the way, I'm going to tell you this. The fact that he's indicted as much as he is, I think that's a great, great strength. The more he gets indicted, the more the deep state res resists President Trump, the more I support him. I actually see those indictments as a strength. It means they're afraid of him. And that's exactly the kind of person that I want in the Oval Office. But check this out. This is a, from a Reuters poll. Reuters is not a conservative poll, folks, okay? And this has never happened. Never once in 2016, never once in 2020 was President Trump winning. I just told you yesterday that he was up by 0.4% over the real clear politics average over Biden. It's never happened before. He's more popular today than he's ever been. But Reuters has a poll out today. Trump is up six points over Biden in Georgia, Arizona, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Nevada, and Michigan. And this is this is this poll took place from September 18th to September 14th with 4,413 adults. So again, with a poll, the larger the sample size, the more accurate it is. This is I, I've never seen this before. Trump has never held leads this this big. He's never held leads, period. So Look at how the Democrats are in disarray. Look at Trump surging. They don't know how to stop him. It's why they're trying to kick him off the ballot with this 14th Amendment crap. It's why they're trying to throw him in jail. It's like this guy, he's going to be the nominee. Trump's going to run against Biden. If he runs against Kamala, even better. Gavin Newsom is out of the race. He's not going to run. So I'm telling you, don't listen to anyone that tells you that Trump can't win. Now, this leads me to Fetterman. Now, everyone's been talking about this Fetterman video of him reacting to the Republican impeachment inquiry. I mean, obviously, he's a turnip brain. He he He's not cognitively there. Um, I, I mean, I, I get all that. But I'm going to tell I'm going to give you my spin on this video. Just let's watch it. And, I, and I'll give you my my perspective on it. Check this out. I ask you about this news that uh, Speaker McCarthy has formally launched an impeachment inquiry, has said he's going to. Oh, my God, really? Oh, my gosh. You know, oh, it's devastating. <laughs> Ooh, don't do it. Please don't do it. Oh, no. Oh, no. First of all, like when this is over, go back and play back the hor horrified look on his staffer's face when Fetterman started rambling on incoherently. Many people were just talking like, oh, my God, look how he's dressed. Oh, my God, what a disgrace to the Senate. Oh, my God, how is this man a senator? All of that stuff is true. But his reaction, his flippant reaction to what do you think of this impeachment inquiry was basically a double barreled middle finger to you, the American people. 
He's saying, I don't give a damn about a Republican impeachment inquiry, and neither does Joe Biden, and the Democrats clearly don't. And let me tell you why this matters. Because I've just told you how Trump is dominating in a way we haven't seen a Republican dominate in a very, very, very long time. Yet we have Republicans working with Democrats, especially in a state like Michigan, a Republican law firm, trying to kick Trump off the ballot with friends like some of these never Trump Republicans who the hell needs enemies. Maybe this is why John Fetterman doesn't give a damn or is not scared about a Republican impeachment inquiry. We have Republicans stabbing each other in the back, trying to take out President Trump. And by the way, I wish that Republicans, I mean, if if Republicans had a spied in Washington, and some do, okay, but by and large, our party, when they're in power, they don't wield that power. And in this case, we have the most corrupt president in the history of this country, of either party, Joe Biden, a child-sniffing, animated corpse, mouth-breathing freak who swims naked in front of female Secret Service agents, who showers with his daughter, his young daughter. This man is taking bribes, the money launderer in charge of a crime syndicate. He's a wholly owned subsidiary of a foreign country. There's more proof of corruption about the Biden family crime syndicate than anybody else. I mean, it's all right there at your fingertips. Go to the, the 501c3 and Marco Polo and just look at the look at Hunter Biden's laptop for yourself. It's all right there. Yet Republicans are still like, oh, I, I don't know if we can take the unprecedented step of impeachment. Oh, oh, I, seriously? Seriously? This is why John Fetterman laughs. This is why he reacts the way that he did. Because if the Republican Party had a spine and they were actually holding Democrats accountable for the litany of crimes that they've committed, whether it was in COVID or election fraud or Biden in the White House, like selling America down the river to our enemies, he wouldn't be he wouldn't be reacting so flippantly like that. That video is proof positive that the Democrats and even a brain damaged Democrat like John Fetterman is not afraid of the Republicans. And any Republican that's running for office, like your your job is to be a hard target. Your job is to take the fight to the Democrats every day, the political fight to the Democrats every single day. Go on offense, stay on offense, drive the ball down the field, and don't stop until we dismantle the Democrat Party. That should be our mission because the Democrats are a clear and present threat to this country in the Constitution. That's just how I feel about that. Um, I'm going to talk about Aaron Rodgers for a second. Um some amazing video that came out about Aaron Rodgers. But before I do, uh, I want to thank Cabot Guns. They're also a founding sponsor of this program. They make, make the best 1911 pistols in, Amer- in America. Um, it, thank you to Cabot, the bunch of Second Amendment loving patriots at that company. They're also hiring. So uh, if you're looking for a gun, yeah, their their guns are are. They're top notch. All their parts are made in America. So you'll pay a little bit more for them, but they're also rolling out a tactical model called the Apocalypse. It's absolutely amazing. So if you're a gun enthusiast, even if you just want to look at the guns online, it's a it's a it's a it's a damn good company, and we're grateful for their support. But Aaron Rodgers, I saw him run out in the field and his uh, with the American flag over his shoulder. It was just an amazing sight. It was so refreshing to see an athlete who basically plays a game for for a living in the greatest country on the face of the earth. And really his ability to play that game is because he lives in such a great country. Uh, you know, um, seriously, 
America, we our country is so amazing that we can pay talented athletes millions upon millions of dollars to play a game for a living. I mean, come on. The blessings that we have here in this country are amazing. And it was just so refreshing to see an athlete get that and run out onto that field with the American flag behind him to fans screaming. I just loved it. It was it was inspiring. Four plays into the game, he tore his Achilles, which is which is as inspiring as it was. It was equally tragic because I really love Aaron Rodgers. Um not because uh, look, I'm a Steelers fan. So I mean, for as a football guy, I don't like Aaron Rodgers for a lot of reasons. But COVID really showed showed you who some people were. Very few people, very few public figures took any risk out of fear of being canceled. Well, Aaron Rodgers was one of those. Obviously, he's going to be a Hall of Fame quarterback, but he's one of those public figures that took a stand, and the media, and I mean everybody, not even just the media, but even people in the NFL and sports, whatever, they came after him. They tried to end his legacy, destroy everything that he was. Watch for yourself. Check this video out of, of these media types going after Aaron Rodgers because he said, he, ah, no, you know, I'm going to do my own health the way that I see fit. I'm not going to do the vaccine thing, but I'm, I'm just going to, you know, like run a little bit, stay healthy, maybe take ivermectin, keep myself in shape. But just watch for yourself how the media came after this guy. I can't even believe Aaron Rodgers did this, Skip. I have so I have lost so much respect. I'm ashamed of him right now. I think we're seeing a very different side of Aaron Rodgers, and I think we're seeing a side of Aaron Rodgers that people are really, really disgusted by. I'm making the decision that's based on what's best for me and my own health. And for me, it was a no-brainer. He literally is sitting home because he might kill someone. First, he, he endangers people's lives. Then he doesn't take responsibility and makes up some story. Then he blames the woke crowd. He, he should speak at the Republican convention. The problem with this is it is so political. And health should not be political. He gave this interview on Friday that was just... It was just so damaging, uh, promoting conspiracy theories, attacking the cancel culture and the woke mob, you know, saying how Joe Rogan was his expert analysis. While he says he talks to Harvard MDs about stuff, it was Joe Rogan that really guided him. He took stuff that is for horses. Ivermectin is a cattle dewormer. Sorry, folks, that's what it is. The embarrassment was going to begin as soon as he pointed out Joe Rogan as one of his touchstones of his critical thinking. I'm going to critically think about what's best for my own health. I'm not judging anybody else. What we've got today with this interview is a public figure spreading misinformation. Aaron Rodgers is comfortable sitting down for 50 minutes and spewing verbal diarrhea that we can all react to. It is a devastating prospect, uh, the ramifications of what this guy is doing and what he's saying. He sounds like a crackpot. Have they talked about exercise, a healthy diet, like eating real food, drinking water, taking vitamins, vitamin D deficiency and, and what that causes in the body. No, there hasn't been any of that. I, I think that was a, a rant um, that went off the rails several times, uh, divorced from reality at, at almost every turn. You came across as a national embarrassment. Do you think Aaron Rodgers set the dumb jock stereotype back? I'm going to have the best immunity possible now based on the 2.5 million person study from Israel that people who get COVID and recover have the most robust immunity. For him to perpetuate that, um, I guess it just shows us that he doesn't care. I'm an athlete, I'm not an activist. So I'm gonna get back to doing what I do best. And that's and that's playing ball. Grabian is amazing. Mouth breathers and window lickers, one and all. Every one of those people in that video, complete and total morons. And I'll tell you this, 
it, there's there's I think it's a Winston Churchill quote where he said, oh, you have enemies in your life. Good. It means you took a stand for something. There's nothing worse in today's day and age. I tell you often that we live in at a very strange, difficult and some would even say dark time in America. We stand on a very thin line between hope and darkness in this country and people who are willing to stand. We should embrace, we should support, but there is nothing worse than fence sitters at times like this in history. So kudos to Aaron Rodgers for standing up to the psychopaths in the media when they came for him. He's better for it. He's stronger for it. And you know what? So is our country because he's been proven to be right. Every one of those mouth breathers in that video who I would argue did unbelievable damage to this country. (laughs) <laughs> they were t- completely, completely and totally wrong. And I wonder how many people died because of their propaganda. How many people died because they didn't want to take ivermectin because they thought it was horse paste? How many people died because they didn't want to take vitamin D because they were focused on a vaccine? I mean, the only, I'll tell you what, a vaccine for a young and healthy person, a professional athlete like Aaron Rodgers, his primary risk from that is death or myocarditis, or some sort of cardiovascular injury. That's proven now. It, like anyone that's been paying attention to, to what's been going on with this with this vaccine knows that now. And so I would say Aaron Rodgers has been completely and totally vindicated. And I'm telling you, I don't look, this is hard for me to say as a Steelers fan, but I 100% support that guy and everything that he does. And I'm a, I'm a fan now because of the stance that he took. And again, Push fence sitters out of your life. We don't need them anymore. We need people in this country who love this country to take a stand because we're losing it. And Aaron Rodgers, Keith Olbermann, you know, kicked Aaron Rodgers when he was down after he tore his Achilles. He's blamed. Oh, you probably got hurt because you didn't get the vaccine. And, you know, Keith Olbermann is just basically like a a grumpy old woman at this point. I don't really even know what he does outside of yelling at camera. Um, but Aaron Rodgers clapped back at him today. And we, we pulled this video right before the show, and you got to see it going into the weekend. Hey, hold, hold on. There's another guy. What's it? Keith Olbermann said oh, that. Um, you love him, though. Because you're not vaxxed, that's why it happened. Yep. Yeah, get your fifth booster, Keith. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love when people don't back down. I'm so tired of these communist losers destroying our country. And so as we come to the end of the show, you know, we always end Battleground Live on Friday on a lighthearted note going into the weekend. Hopefully there were lots of mouth breathers said during the show and lots of drinks to be had. I know that Brock had plenty of drinks um himself during the show which is a good thing we support that here no judgment um but you know if you watched the show yesterday that i had some technical difficulties the screen behind me went out because one of my kids was close by and screen mirrored the television set with her phone and look this is a live production this stuff happens you're along for the journey but i will tell you that even though we did have some technical difficulties at least i didn't have it as bad as the cat lawyer roll the tape Uh Take we're trying look. to. We're tr- can you hear me, Judge? I can hear you. I think it's a filter. It, in the- it is, and I don't know how to remove it. I've got my assistant here. She's trying to, but uh, I'm prepared to go forward with it. That's. I'm here live. It's not. I'm not a cat. I can. I can see that. 
Oh, Judge, I'm prepared to go on. I'm here live. I can assure you that I am not a cat. So, yes, technical difficulties happen. But, folks, thank you for joining us. I appreciate this. We're going into the fifth week of the program. Um, Again, make sure you like this video, Rumble, subscribe to the page. It is and will always be free. This show, Battleground Live, Live every single night, Monday through Friday at 5. We'll see you again on Monday, live at 5. Official Sean Parnell for Battleground Apparel. We just got all the t-shirts in, and we're shipping them out as we speak. So if you order now, your shirt will go right out. Nothing will be back-ordered. So uh, all of that's available at officialseanparnell.com. Again, thank you for tuning into the show. God bless you all. Never quit. Never surrender. Take a stand, hold the line, do not comply. God bless you all, and God bless this exceptional nation that we call home. Take care. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events, chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. Are you looking to build this year? If so, there is no better time than right now to start planning and to get your spot on the construction schedule. If you need a garage, a stall barn, a storage for vehicles, RV, boat, collectibles, or even a a shop for your farm, hobbies, or car restoration projects, visit MortonBuildings.com and start your construction process. With superior materials, craftsmanship, best-in-class warranty, Morton Buildings are made to last for generations. At Morton, the difference is in the details. From their cutting-edge innovations to their craftsmen in the field, they are dedicated to surpassing expectations. Their legacy of excellence spans more than 120 years, and Morton Buildings is 100% employee-owned with more than a quarter million satisfied customers. That means they're the industry leader you can trust. When you choose Morton, you'll experience quality at every step of the building process, starting before the walls even go up. Visit mortonbuildings.com to get started today. Your getaway with Apple Vacations begins the moment you step on board one of our exclusive nonstop vacation flights. Escape the ordinary with packages starting at just $599. No layovers, just pure relaxation from takeoff to touchdown. Immerse yourself in the joy of travel with Apple Vacations. Your journey is as enchanting as the destination, so pack your bags and leave the rest to us. Visit AppleVacations.com or call your local travel advisor to book your vacation.